Hello and welcome to this week's edition of SBC This Week, a roundup of news and views from around the Southern Baptist Convention. SBC This Week is hosted by Amy Whitfield and Jonathan Howe. Hey Jonathan, how's it going? Going well, just got back from Ridgecrest. Been over there this week, Lifeway Trustee Meeting. Uh, you also returned to North Carolina uh, from ERLC National yes. Conference. We're going to talk about that a little bit later. Had a fantastic sit-down with uh, a few folks we'll be bringing to you over the next few weeks. The big one this week, James Merritt. What an interview we had with him. Oh, that was incredible. I Now, I enjoyed all the interviews that we had, and, and some of those will be coming up in the weeks ahead. Um, but that was just a fantastic conversation with him. One of my favorite interviews we've done. Yeah, I hate that we only had a few minutes to talk to him. We could have sat there and talked to him probably another hour or two. I only had about a 10-minute yes. time slot. He was rushing to catch a flight and get out of Nashville. Uh, but uh, we appreciate him sitting down with us. We'll bring you that interview in its entirety here after we get to the news. Before we get to the news, though, Amy, this week's episode is sponsored by the Billy Graham School of Missions, Evangelism, and Ministry at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. Whether you are preparing to plant or revitalize churches in North America or to take the gospel to places where Christ is not yet known, the Billy Graham School is committed to training the next generation of Great Commission leaders. Learn more about the Billy Graham School's MDiv, DMIN, or other degree programs today by visiting sbts.edu slash bgs. Again, that's sbts.edu slash bgs. All right, let's jump into it. Amy, big news this week in Texas. Obviously, Hurricane Harvey and uh, Southern Baptists are on the ground and helping out now that the hurricane has moved on. A lot of recovery work to go in the Houston area. Oh, man, this has just really uh, been an incredible uh, story to watch, and I'm sure I'm not the only one that has thought through you know, remembering Katrina, which uh, was 12 years ago. And then for me, uh, even just the Nashville flood from 2010, which was right after we had moved there. And just kind of a, a small um, snapshot of, uh, of how devastating that can be and doesn't even touch um, what they are going through there. Uh, it's, it's just been an unbelievable thing to witness. But Man, the the pictures coming out of there of people working to rescue each other, of um, just folks going out with boats, of disaster relief workers and um, shelters and centers being set up, that's been pretty phenomenal. Yeah, Jeff Metters, a pastor in the Houston area, Southern Baptist pastor, and he has been going out uh, a, a lot this week on boats. They've been uh, going to apartment complexes, bringing people that are trapped on the second floor. You know, the whole first floor is is uh, flooded and they can't get out of their apartments. They've been bringing people out. Just some amazing pictures that he's been showing uh, with uh, the, some of the rescues going on over there. Uh, even Beth Moore uh, got into the act once yeah. she got back. She was in New England this week for a, a Living Proof Live event. Couldn't get back to Houston because of the hurricane. Finally made it to Nashville, then to Dallas, and then finally made it down to Houston. And uh, she's been getting after yes. it as well with the, the people on the ground there. I saw her on TV earlier today doing an interview uh, so, uh, you know, Southern Baptists have shown up. We, we've seen that all over the media, and we've got a lot of Southern Baptist relief effort going on down there, thanks to David Melber and his Sin Relief Squad. Yes, and uh, we'll include in the show notes the uh, story that was in Baptist Press about this and also uh, ways that you can help. So we'll, we'll keep an eye on this, Amy. I'm sure this is not the last we'll hear of the Hurricane Harvey relief efforts uh, probably going on for a while, a lot of cleanup and a lot of work to do in the Houston area. So please be in prayer and uh, help donate to Send Relief if you can. I will put a link in there. You can Everything that you donate to Send Relief, 100% of that goes to relief efforts 
uh, sponsored by the Southern Baptist. All right, moving on. We mentioned it at the top. The ERLC National Conference was here in Nashville last week. What an event that was, Amy. Yeah, it was really a, a, a great experience. Um, everything I heard was just really, really good. I learned a lot. I have some uh, some videos I want to go back and watch of sessions that I missed. Yeah, you missed the Friday um, night session, which was phenomenal. Yeah, I did. Now, here's the thing. A lot of the folks that were speaking on Friday night, I've heard them speak several times. And it and it, I'm always just very appreciative every time I hear Andrew Peterson or Sally Lloyd-Jones. Um, but I was at a football game with my family um, nearby. So that was a, a good, uh, just a good opportunity to be with them as well. Uh, but I want to go back and watch on video as well as a few more yeah. that I, I didn't get a chance to catch. Highly recommend checking out Dean and Sarah's talk on from Thursday night. Yes, agreed. As well as... Jen Wilkins talk from Saturday morning in the interview also with Ben Sass. All of those, yeah. I got to see all of those and they were just phenomenal. Yeah. The the interview with Ben Sass was really, uh, really good. And I, I wanted to see that, um, but it was even better than I expected. Uh, it, it was just really uh, incredible. Some of the, the wisdom and this, it was about, you know, he's just written a book about sort of raising the next generation. And so I, um, I, that, that was what the focus was on, um, was on, on parenting really on raising children. And, uh, that was good. The panel that came up right after that, um, Nicole Lino was on that, uh, Micah Freeze. There were a, a handful of things that we really took away and, and have even been using in, in our home some wisdom. Uh, one uh, thing in particular that Nicole Lino had shared about three rules that their family has. Um, really, really good stuff. So I, I highly recommend. Yeah. And Nicole Lino was doing all of this with her mind also on Houston. Uh, her, pa- her husband, Nathan, is a pastor in the Northeast Houston area. Uh, from last I heard, their church had not suffered any damage, uh, but he had stayed back in Texas, did not come to the conference, was supposed to be there, uh, did not come, though. Yes. And uh, Nathan was not there, but Nicole was. And Nicole, she was on, on a panel, a couple of panels, actually, and did a phenomenal job, but an even better job when you think about you know what her mind might have been thinking about during those panels, knowing of all the uncertainty going on with Harvey hitting land and coming into the Houston area while the conference was going on. So uh, just uh, ERLC, phenomenal job by everybody. Elizabeth Graham, the entire team that put on the event, just phenomenal job. It, it was it was very good. All right. ERLC trustees also met last week. They approved an uh, increased budget of $4.234 million and elected Trevor Atwood, who's a pastor of City Church in Murfreesboro, a good friend, uh, as the chairman of the board. Uh, yes, and they also gave um, a couple of awards. This is something that they uh, that they do. They gave the uh, Richard Land Distinguished Service Award to uh, the governor of Tennessee, Bill Haslam, and then the John Leland uh, Religious Liberty Award to the Little Sisters of the Poor. So the the trustees unanimously approved um, approved those. And uh, they're, they're different things. The John Leland Award goes to any person or group that shows a deep commitment to religious freedom. So the Little Sisters of the Poor is no um, stranger to many of us who've tracked the news about their court case with the contraception mandate uh, question in um, with respect to Obamacare. 
so that uh, that that's not really a surprise uh, for sure. And so the trustees unanimously approved those awards as well. All right. Also, while the ERLC meeting was going on, a coalition of about 70 Southern Baptist leaders and other evangelical leaders uh, met and released the Nashville statement that released this week. Uh, language was finalized last week, and uh, it is a statement on affirmations and denials consistent with the church's long-held teaching on human sexuality. Yes, and, uh, and I'm sure many people who are listening heard about this from somewhere. It got a, quite a bit of attention. Uh, it was in our, our local newspaper here. I'm sure there was a, a lot of coverage in the Tennessean, given that it was called the Nashville Statement. At one point on Tuesday evening after it was released, it was uh, it was trending pretty strongly um, on Twitter. Yep. Number three worldwide, I think, and number one in the nation. Right. I don't know that we've ever really had anything uh, that's trended at that level. The last um, thing I, I can, can think of was uh, when the Robertsons... Uh, had their brouhaha with A&E and the, uh, the show. Yeah. yeah. That's the last okay. time I can think of something that was, quote, evangelical Dynasty. related. Yeah, the Duck Dynasty stuff yeah, that was, Duck Dynasty. quote, unquote, evangelical um, related trending like that. Right. But certainly this is a very uh, polarizing conversation. There's a, a lot of strongly held opinions on both sides of this discussion. And so uh, the, uh, the chatter was really heightened uh, from it. But... Uh, this was a very clear statement. Uh, we'll we'll put a link to the Baptist Press article that shares a little bit more about it, lists some of the the higher profile names uh, that had signed it. Um, but I I would I would say I'm still continuing to see things. It's not trending worldwide anymore, but I'm still continuing to see things on social media and in the news. I imagine uh, that will last for a few more days. It probably will, Amy. And uh, some big news from your neck of the woods. We we talked about this whenever. The program was announced, uh, but last week, the first degree program for the North Carolina Field Minister program was launched at Nash Correctional Institution in Nashville, North Carolina. Not Nashville, Tennessee. Nashville, North Carolina. That's correct. You know, because of that, I actually have to be clear when I'm here. Uh, it's about an hour from Wake Forest, maybe an hour and a half. And uh, people will ask me where I'm from, and I'll say Nashville, and they think <laughs> Not Nashville, the North Carolina. Right. Or Nashville, North Carolina, which is a very small, very, very small town. Which consists and so of I have the to correctional institution, that. probably. Pretty, pretty much, yes. Uh, but anyway, this is a very similar program to uh, the one that's at New Orleans uh, Seminary, New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary, and Southwestern. Um, New Orleans has theirs in Angola um, and Southwestern in Darrington. It's very similar to that. Um, it, it goes through our college. Um, it's uh, it, we have a cohort of 30 students and they are inmates who have uh, a minimum of 15 years. And it's you know, they they come they come to Nash Correctional Institution. They're transferred to Nash for four years where they go through our program. They graduate with a bachelor's degree and then they are transferred back. Uh, to the facility uh, where they where they were, and then hopefully they are a service. Uh, you know they they are serving um, in their context there, and you know the goal is just long term um, reform and and really changing and being able to minister uh, in those places. And so it's a great it's a partnership with uh, the. Um, the North Carolina Department of Public Safety, and then a uh, game plan for life, which is yeah, Joe uh, Coach Joe. 
Yeah, Coach that's, Joe that's Gibbs. That's how it's different than the one, and you were saying how it's similar to those. I was saying, but they don't have Joe Gibbs. That's that's true. Um, so <laughs> Joe Gibbs, who was the coach of the Washington Redskins and now is very well known in NASCAR, um, in the NASCAR industry, he uh, is is sort of the big supporter uh, behind this and has is helping fund it and. Just being around Coach Gibbs a little bit, uh, both um, it, during fundraising uh, opportunities and then as as our our folks from Southeastern have been around him at other times, uh, what an inspiration. And uh, he, he said to the new students, you know, that this is one of the most important things I do in my life and to have a, uh, you know, him standing there with his Super Bowl ring on and having come from um, the the race at Bristol to to that and then to say this is one of the most important things I'll do in my life that's a that's very moving and so we're really excited about this program uh, I think it'd be a great a great thing and you know how jealous I am right that you're getting to hang out with Joe Gibbs yeah have you seen I have, I have a picture I have a picture with yeah, Joe I know. Gibbs in I know. front of in front of a car I know that uh, yeah yeah but we're not so, gonna talk about that I'm a little bitter about yeah. that. Has uh has Jason Rowe been able to go with y'all at all? Has he tried to tag along? Um, he hasn't gone, but I need to take I, you care. know. Next time Joe Gibbs is involved, Jason Rowe is uh he's he is just the best. He's gonna support no matter um uh, no matter what. But we 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 should try to you know if there's ever a chance, I bet he would love that. Oh, he would love it. He's a big NASCAR guy like I am. So he's from yeah. the the Darlington area where the the race is this weekend. So yes, yes. So. All right, well, some big news out of Birmingham. Iron Stream Media has acquired WMU's New Hope Publishers. I, I'm I'm conflicted, Amy. Yeah? Well, I'm going to let you handle this story because you have all the history here. I do have all the history here. I used to work at New Hope. Yeah. I was the director of marketing and sales for New Hope Publishers. Uh, and it's a little sad to see them being sold. But at the same time, I'm like, well, good. They get a, you know kind of a fresh start. So, yeah. you know, the New Hope was uh, one of the three divisions of, of WMU. WMU has three divisions, uh, New Hope, World Crafts, and the uh, the publishing side uh, that puts out GAs, RAs, Missions Mosaic, that kind of stuff. Uh, so, basically, they, they took the New Hope brand and New Hope uh, publishing group, and they've just transferred them to Iron Stream Media. Iron Stream Media may not sound familiar to many people that are listening, but uh, you may know some of their work. They're actually the people behind the Student Life Bible Study and Life Bible Study. So if your church happens to use that, it's the same group. So uh, the Student Life Bible Study actually started with Student Life uh, and was actually sold to the Navigators. But when Navigators was bought by Tyndall, uh, that, that publishing group that was Student Life Bible Study and Life Bible Study kind of reformed into Iron Stream Media. So uh, they're not okay. involved with Student Life anymore. Lifeway owns Student Life. Uh, but Iron Stream Media now owns New Hope Publishers. Uh, very interesting. You know, then I think uh, the the first time that I met you, uh, which is at the Phoenix. That's right. Uh, Six years ago, Amy. SBC, yeah, that's when you were um, you were working for New yes. Hope. Yep, I was working for New Hope. Yeah, so. and working for Lifeway with Ed Stetzer and Philip Nation. They had done a book with New Hope, Compelled yep. by Love, mm-hmm. I think. And that's uh, you. You had been circled in on that. Yep. So that that started my time working with Ed Stetzer, and eventually that that kind of what led me to Lifeway. So uh, I owe New Hope for being here at Lifeway. Very good. All right. Also announced, not in this release, but in another email from WMU, 
there were seven uh, reductions, uh, and then the four reductions here of people moving from WMU to Ironstream Media. So that's uh, 11 uh, jobs that have been uh, kind of moved around at WMU as they refocus and reorganize uh, following the uh, the retirement of both Carol Causey and their CFO. So uh, some some changes going down at WMU down there. We'll keep an eye on that, see what else uh, may come of that. All right, speaking of trustee meetings, I mentioned I was at Lifeway trustee meetings. A lot of change and a lot of movement going on around Lifeway. We are getting ready to move in about 60 days and uh, looking forward to that. But we had a great trustee meeting talking about change and the new headquarters uh, and approved a budget of $499 million, uh, which is a 5% increase over the 2017 projected revenue. That's a lot of money. Wow. Yeah. Uh, it Was the move, was that kind of the, the most exciting conversation or was there a lot of interest in that? Yeah, because, uh, you know, we, we are now getting to see what the inside of the building looks like. We've just seen the outside exterior pictures and, you know, some drawings or whatever from the inside. But right. the inside is getting fleshed out. I mean, we're, you know, 60 days away from moving in. So things are kind of getting there. Furniture starting to right. go in, carpet, you know, wall fixtures, those kind of things. So they had some videos and some pictures that I had not seen yet of the inside, and it's getting exciting. So we, we drive by there about once a week or so. I haven't been in the new building. I'm trying to wait. I, I, as much as I would love to go into the new building, I'm trying to wait until that right. first day that I go in to work in November, and that'll be the first time I set foot in the building. I'm trying to, trying to hold out, you know, kind of like uh, not knowing the gender of your baby until it's born. That's, that's, that's kind of right. what I'm going for. Okay. That's kind of fun. You know, uh, for those uh, who have been to uh, Southern Seminary any time in the last uh, 12, 13 years, the second floor of Norton Hall, where Dr. Moeller, uh, uh, the president's office is, um, that's not always where he was. He, he had uh, the president's office had been on the first floor since it was established by E.Y. E. Mullen, since it was built out there. And so it was while I was at Southern Seminary that that second floor was uh, renovated and, and set up. So my office had been on that floor. And when I left and then they started, I, I left, they moved us. We were in a portable trailer in the parking lot for uh, a few months. Um, a few of us were. But when I, I moved out, I remember they started to do the renovations. And I thought, I do not want to walk upstairs until this is all done. I don't want to see anything in, in process. So for about four uh, months, uh, maybe even five months, I, I didn't see anything. And it was the most fun thing to just walk up, to walk upstairs and see this new. Now, we moved to the, the spot where uh, the president's office had been. But just to walk upstairs and see the finished product, it's kind of a cool experience. Yep. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. So I'm going to try to hold out. I, I may get drug over there. Who knows as we get closer. Uh, but, it, you know, it's still active construction site. So not too many people are going over there right now. Every once in a while, Dr. Rainer goes over. But I'm, I'm going to try to hold out until November. So we'll see. Excellent. Also this week, the SBC's Brotherhood had a 20-year reunion uh, which marked the closing of the entity. Uh, you might have remembered in 1997, the Covenant for New Century uh, really combined a bunch of entities, and the Brotherhood Commission was folded into the North American Mission Board with the Radio and Television Commission and the Home Mission Board. So those became NAM. But about 60 former staff members, trustees, and volunteers from the Brotherhood Commission gathered this past uh, week in Memphis and uh, for a 20-year reunion. So that's kind of cool. I know Carol Pipes went over to that. She worked at the Brotherhood, and uh, said she yeah. had a good, nice time, and they were able to 
walk around the old building, the, the tour of the old building in the Midtown Memphis area. Oh, that's really neat. Um, do you, you know when I first heard of the Brotherhood Commission? Uh, no, I did not. It was just a few years ago, maybe in Baltimore. Um, really? I want to say long? it was in Baltimore. Wow. Yeah, when we were there for the annual meeting. I'm pretty sure it was that year. You know, because I didn't grow up Southern Baptist, this was not an entity that I heard of. Someone actually listed it in a motion along with other entities. And you were like, so there, what's that? there was, yeah. So it was just, I mean, it was just a mistake. Just was someone the, trying to list. Was that the motion calling for Lifeway to do men's ministry? I don't remember. It seemed we to me. We had one I of those a couple think, years ago. It's possible. Yeah. But I don't know that it was that one. I think it was something where it was asking different entities what oh, they, they were doing it on something. as a something. real entity. Right. And it was listed among like 10 uh, or something. See, and that's why we have SBC this week to educate people that the Brotherhood Commission that's went right. away 20 years ago. That's right. But I remember thinking, what is that? <laughs> and at first I thought it was just kind of someone had made up. A lot of people were probably up. thinking that. Right. So at first I thought, did someone just make up that entity? And then I learned that it had been an entity. Um, but just some, you know, someone didn't get the memo or whatever. But uh, anyway, that's the first time I'd ever heard of it. But this is really cool. And when you have something like this, and um, uh, and and I think it was probably a, a good decision the way some things were were merged together and consolidated. You still have that camaraderie that comes from working together on a ministry that's gone. And what a great thing for them to get to come back together. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us this week with the news. And uh, we talked about it at the top of the show. We've got a great interview for you this week and, and in the next few weeks. But this week, we're starting off with Dr. James Merritt. Joining us this week on SBC This Week is Dr. James Merritt. He's a pastor at Crosspoint Church in Duluth, Georgia. Uh, Dr. Merritt, thanks for joining us today. So honored to be with you. So we're recording this at the ERLC National Conference. You're in here. You just finished a panel. Yes. Uh, tell us just a little bit real quick about the panel today and what your uh, role here at the conference has been. Yeah. Well, I'm on the ERLC advisory board and uh, honored to do that. Uh, real excited about Russ Moore's leadership and, and all the all the men and women who support him. Uh, I was actually on a panel talking about fathers being godly fathers. And uh, I was on there with Kevin Smith and Danny Aiken and um, had some great questions. Uh, we talked about everything from you know, what is the difference between a biblical man and a chauvinist to, uh, you know, what are the things that hinder you from a man from being a godly father? And and just to the need for men to step up both in the church and in the home and in our society and be men of God. That's fantastic. And uh, there have been so many great panels the last couple of days. Uh, and I know that was a great addition. Uh, Kevin Smith and Danny Aiken have both been guests of the pod. So now this will make three for three. Um so you have served in many uh, capacities in the SBC. Uh, so people have known of your leadership as a statesman for a long time. One thing that has really popped up in recent years was uh, last year at the SBC annual meeting in St. Louis. So uh, in the, the 2016 meeting, there was a speech that was made on the floor and an amendment to a resolution about the uh, Confederate flag. So that got a lot of Internet play. Uh, we even have an audio clip. We're going to share that um, as well. So we'll drop that uh, right here. Everybody take a listen. My fellow Southern Baptist, I'm not speaking to you today just as a pastor of a church. I am the great-great-grandson of two men who fought in the Confederate Army. One is buried in a Confederate cemetery in Lynchburg, Virginia. One fought in the battle of my hometown, Atlanta, Georgia. 
I cannot undo what they fought for, but they cannot undo what I wish they had done and what I pray we will do today. Make no mistake, this is a seminal moment in our convention. I believe that God has brought the SBC to both the kingdom and our culture for such a time as this. What we do today with this issue will reverberate through this nation not just today, but I believe a hundred years from now. This is not a matter of political correctness. It is a matter of spiritual conviction and biblical compassion. We have a golden opportunity to say to every person of every race, ethnicity, and nationality that Southern Baptists are not a people of any flag. We march under the banner of the cross of Jesus and the grace of God. Today, we can say loudly and clearly to a world filled with racial strife and division that Southern Baptists are not in the business of building barriers and burning bridges. We're about building bridges and tearing down barriers. So I close with this. There is one thing no one can deny. This flag is a stumbling block to many African-American souls to our witness. And I rise to say that all the Confederate flags in the world are not worth one soul of any race. So my fellow Southern Baptists, who I love with all of my heart, and thank God that I will die a Southern Baptist, I ask you to join me as one to support both this amendment and this resolution. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Merritt. That was a big discussion last year, uh, but it's a discussion in our culture that really is uh, continuing. So can you just kind of share as you watch what's happening, especially on the heels of Charlottesville, how you see, uh, as Christians, how we should handle this discussion. Well, it's amazing that you brought it up because um, just this week, uh, there's an African-American that used to go to our church, but he moved across town, so he's going to another church. But uh, he comes in once a month for, or uh, once every other month just for mentoring. And he's always coming with questions. He's a motivational speaker in his own right. His name's Daniel. So Daniel came in, and his first question to me right off the bat was, so, Pastor, tell me what your stance is, what you think about the Confederate Monument issue and, and Charlottesville and, and all of this. And, and I told him, I said, uh, and again, as you, you probably heard in the, in the clip that you played just a moment ago, I had two great-great-grandfathers who fought in the Confederate Army. One is buried in um, Lynchburg, Virginia, in a Confederate cemetery. The other actually fought in the Battle of Atlanta. It is my heritage, it is what it is, and, and it is my family. But, um, you know, uh, at the same time, as, as a pastor, as a Christian, um, I've learned so much, uh, especially, particularly pastoring a diverse church, about this whole issue. So here's what I said to him. I said, uh, he said, well, you know, what is your take on it? And I said, um, you know, I said, the bottom line for me is this. I believe as a Christian, we have the responsibility to do everything we can to break down any barrier that we possibly can to the gospel. And we have been given specifically the ministry of reconciliation. 
And I said, frankly, I said, one of the best things that ever happened to me was that I grew up in the Deep South, Amy. And so, you know, uh, one of the things I did not too long ago for the first time in my life is I truly began to think, what would it be like if I were black? What if my ancestors had been enslaved? What if there was a side of my dad's family that I'll never even know where they are because they were split up because they were sold to do different masters? How would I feel when I drove by a Confederate monument? And, and, and so my, my take on it is, you know, I think that, and I know some people think we're trying to rewrite history. I'm just coming from a Christian perspective. I, I don't believe on the one hand, I don't think we ought to take the law in our own hands and just take and just tear monuments down and, and, you know, without any approval. I do believe that we ought to seriously consider moving these monuments into a building and anybody wants to go see the monuments, let them go, let them go see them. But from a Christian perspective, anything that I can do to take any stumbling block, any barrier, uh, anything that I can do to be a minister of reconciliation and bring racial healing to this country, I believe I ought to do it. And and so that's that's my stance on it. So as it plays out in the, the pastorate, what does that look like uh, maybe just in a day-to-day with uh, somebody who, who may be dealing with this in their own church? Yeah, great example. Again, uh, I got up the Sunday after the Charlottesville um, situation. I got In fact, I tweeted it out, but I got up and, I, again, I pastor a very racially diverse church. And I got up and I said, I, I, want, I want you to hear me clearly. I said, not only do I, but I said, this church will always stand against white supremacy. We'll always against, we'll stand against any racism in any form. We'll stand against anything that teaches that any race is superior than any other to any other race. And I said, the bottom line, our creed is very simple. We believe in amazing grace for every race. And, uh, you know, of course, the, the church was very appreciative and, and, and very glad. And so I think those are the things we have to do. I think, I think really and truly pastors do have to take the lead. And I realize it's difficult for more pastors than it is for others. But, uh, you know, this is when courageous men and pastors rise to the occasion. And, and again, I think the key is to say, here's, here's where I stand, but here's why I take this stand. I am not repudiating. I'm not repudiating the, the fact that I had these great grandfathers. They're my family, though I never knew them. They are part of my family. They're, they're my blood. I, I do, again, looking back, repudiate the cause for which they fought. Uh, and, and I even, you know, recognize that I get it. Not every soldier, every, a lot of these men fought for their homeland. It was most of the men that fought the Civil War never owned a slave and never would own a slave. But they fought for their for, for a cause. And and so, you know, we have a right and responsibility to say the cause was wrong. I don't justify the cause. On the other hand, I'm not trying to dishonor their memories or the valor that was left on the battlefield. But this is today. This is not then. This is now. And the truth of the matter is that racism from our very beginning has left a wound that has never healed. It's left a scar that is still visible. And I want to be able to stand before my Lord and say, Lord, I did everything I could to close the wound and heal the scar. And now you mentioned kind of the then and now. Uh, Fifteen years ago, you were SBC president in the early 2000s. Uh, you've seen the denomination, I'm guessing, change a lot just demographically, uh, even on, you know, some maybe not some on the theological stances. I think theologically we're pretty consistent with where we were 15 years ago. But the SBC of 2001 and two and three, you know, whenever you were in leadership there, was a lot different than the SBC of 2017, 18 and, and in the future. So maybe what what have you seen change the most in the past 15 years? Well, I'll tell you, let me, let me put it this way. I'll tell you two needs that I have seen that have arisen that we, that we are addressing, but I think we've, we've got a long way to go. One is racial diversity in our leadership. 
Let's not just talk the talk. Let's walk the walk. Let's, let's really begin to see how, for example, I was so thrilled that we elected our first president of the Southern Baptist Convention Pastors Conference, an African-American. Uh, I was thrilled when we, we elected the first black president and Fred Luter, uh, you know, what was it, four years ago, whenever it was. The, the other part of it is, and I'm not saying this to brag, other people know it, I'd been trying to get Fred to run for six years because I, th- I think it was long overdue. Uh, and it, this is not a tokenism thing. This is who we are. And so I think that, that, that in terms of leadership, we really need to walk the walk. So racial diversity is one area that wasn't really too much on the radar screen 15 years ago. Probably should have been more. That's to my chagrin, but probably not so much today. It's a front burner. The other thing that we've got to look at is the, the next generation. We have got to become more inclusive now. We've got to start handing the baton over to a younger generation. I, I'm 64 years old, and I realize my time in the sun has come and gone. My job now, and you called me a statesman, and I'm, I'm honored by that, but my job now is to play the statesman's role. My job now is to help the next generation, to be an advisor and a counselor, but also to let them know by the people that, that by the young people that we elect, hey, we realize that we need a younger generation. We're here to help you, but we really believe you can take us farther than we were, we've been able to take it. We believe you can take it higher. And we want to see that happen. So we've got to get more proactive, I think, in those two areas. If we don't, we're no longer going to be a denomination that, A, reflects our country, and, B, we're going to be a denomination that will die because we're growing older and not growing younger. That's an excellent word, Dr. Merritt. And I have one last question, and then we'll wrap up. So saying that, uh, and some of this may repeat a little bit of what you just said, but when you look ahead uh, to 10 years from now, the SBC in 2027, what do you hope that you see, if you can kind of capture that in a couple of sentences? Yeah, well, I, I hope, first of all, let me just go to the nation. I hope we've seen a spiritual revival in the country. I can't, I can't let that go. And by the way, just as an aside, my, my dear friend Ronnie Floyd was just elected president of the National Day of Prayer. Nobody's more qualified than Dr. Floyd to do that. In fact, I talked to him yesterday, could not be more happy, He'll and, and, and I really believe he's going to lead us to greater heights than ever in that position. But but that'd be the first thing. I hope we see a, a real spiritual awakening in our country. But I guess what I hope to see in 2027, again, is when, when I see people either in denominational positions of leadership or I see people on the, up on the stage, I see people that reflect not only our nation, but people that reflect our convention and who we are. I hope that I see basically across the board uh, a, a younger generation that's also diverse that is really carrying the torch higher and making the light of the gospel burn brighter than ever. And then the last thing, and I guess most importantly, I hope to see is a denomination that's truly taking the Great Commission seriously, and we're seeing more people saved in our churches than ever before. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us. This has been a great conversation, and we really appreciate your service to the SBC. Jonathan, Amy, thank you very much. Jonathan, that was just an a, an unbelievable conversation, and uh, I really, really appreciate uh, Dr. Merritt for sitting down with us. He's a fantastic leader in the Southern Baptist Convention. We are so proud to to have him as a former SBC president, and uh, thanks again to Dr. Merritt for uh, stopping by and talking with us and making the time. Uh, I look forward to, to hanging out with him in the future some more. So uh, thanks again to him. That's going to bring us to my favorite part of the week this week in SBC history. Amy? blow our minds. All right, we're going to go back to um, 1973. And uh, this is a story that was in Baptist Press. It actually doesn't give a date for when this 
happened. So I don't know what the what exactly was happening on this week. Um, I guess it was when this this show was being taped. It was a show that was going to air on um, throughout the the few weeks of September. But there was a television show um, called uh, Spring Street USA. It was. Um, a weekly syndicated a weekly syndicated television show um, from uh, the the Southern Baptist Convention. Oh, and so we're going back to TV shows this week, huh? Yes, we are. And so, no Truth Quest, I, California. That's right. So this caught my eye, and here's why: because it was in Nashville. the uh, The headline was Spring Street USA schedules top Christian entertainers, but the very first person that it mentioned uh, that was on it was Minnie Pearl. Oh, and I got very excited. And because uh, here's the thing: she's been on my mind this week because I have this um, Tennessee cookbook that I love. Um, it's okay. called. Uh, it was. It was after a. a a local kind of celebrity chef when I was a kid, Miss Daisy, uh, Daisy King. But uh, anyway, she has mini pearls, chicken tetrazzini recipe in there. And I made it for dinner this week. Alrighty. So I had not seen this until uh, just now before we recorded. But anyway, so mini pearl was on my mind because I made her chicken tetrazzini. And here I look. And in 1973, um, she was on this television show. So she talks. Uh, Ken Chafin, pastor uh, in in Houston, was the host of this show. Uh, and for this particular um, episode, they had some sort of top level entertainers. Um and uh, she she shared her uh, testimony, I guess. She said, I grew up in a Christian home all through my show business career. My Christian upbringing has given me the strength I needed. There are a lot of temptations in this business, and a strong Christian faith is needed to resist them. They also had another singer, um, a country music singer from Oklahoma, Wanda Jackson. Um, I, I have to confess I'm not familiar with her, so I'm going to have to look her up. Um Maybe some of our listeners uh, like to listen to Wanda Jackson, but um, also uh, they they talked about how there had been um, there had been some other uh, people in the past, uh, past guest stars, an astronaut, James Irwin, singer Pat Boone, who was very outspoken um, outspoken Christian. But I think the um, the 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 main ones were uh, Minnie Pearl, Wanda Jackson, Charlie McCoy, who's a Grammy Award winner, and then uh, Jim Roberts, who was uh, a major uh, person on the Lawrence Welk Show, which I'm a big fan of the Lawrence Welk Show. I'm just going to confess yes, that right know. now. Yes, I used to show that to my children every Saturday night. Um, that that was explains we, so much. That was what we watched as a family. They would get their baths, and then um, they're going to be so embarrassed to know that I'm telling this about us. But this was there the night before we would go to church on Sunday morning. We had to kind of have some like uh, chill, just get in the zone for uh, preparing for the next day, and we did it by watching Lawrence Welk. Because Sunday morning church is a Saturday night decision. Yes, and I hope that Dean and Sarah hears you say that. Um, but we did it by getting sort of relaxed watching Lawrence Welk. Um, so anyway, this person from the Lawrence Welk show was on there. This is uh, very fascinating. Did not know this show existed. What's the name of uh, it again? It was called Spring Street USA. Um, and I, I, 
I don't, I haven't been able to find a whole lot of information about it outside of this Baptist press story. Um, but this is yet another thing we should look and see if the Southern Baptist Historical Library and Archives has. Well, you um, just talked to Taffy today. So, yes. You should have asked. Yes. I, well, I, I, I hadn't looked this up yet. Okay. I hadn't found my. Well, we talked to so. Taffy now. We're going we're gonna to meet with her in about three weeks. So, yes. We can bring it up. Just jot this down and make sure we, we talk about it. Yes. And ask. But. Anyway, it is the week for Minnie Pearl because she was uh, speaking to uh, to share her faith with Southern Baptists this week in SBC history. And this week, this week, I made her chicken tetrazzini. Well, howdy. Howdy. All right. Well, that, that's really cool. So Minnie Pearl. Didn't, didn't think Minnie Pearl was going to be on the show when we started recording it today. I, I love the surprise. Oh, well, if your resource of the week is a hat with a tag on it, then, you know, I'm, I'm calling foul. All right, uh, but that will bring us to our resources of the week. My resource of the week is the CSB Pastor's Bible, brand new from B&H. It uh, comes out in about a month. Uh, you can pre-order it now, uh, but a really, really nice Bible for pastors. It includes, uh, you know, a lot of uh, resources for pastors uh, with helps and outlines for officiating weddings and funerals. Tools and articles from some of today's most respected pastors and church leaders uh, like Tony Morita, Eric Geiger, Jared Wilson, Kyle Eidelman, Robert Smith, Billy Graham, Keith Getty, and so many others. So uh, just a really, really cool resource in the new CSB. So check it out. Uh, you can get them at Lifeway. And your resource of the week is, Amy? My resource of the week is uh, John Frame's Doctrine of the Christian Life, which I am reading for my Intro to Christian Ethics class. It's like a thousand pages, so I'm in it all the time right now, uh, and um, that uh, I've only gotten into like the first little section, but there's way more to come. So I'm just going to share the ones that uh, that that I, uh, I that I don't, I don't get a chance to read much outside of what I'm reading for school right now. So. Um, that is, uh, that's where my attention is the most. Well, that's going to do it for us this week on SBC This Week. Uh, thanks again to our sponsor, the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary and the Billy Graham School over there. You can find out more about them at sbts.edu slash bgs. Uh, a couple of housekeeping notes. Amy, I uploaded the updated trustee uh, lists. I know people uh, really like to have those handy, uh, a little bit easier to find on our website than some others. Uh, so if you can go to sbcthisweek.com over on the right-hand side, just scroll down there right there. Uh, also, did a little did a little tweaking of the website this week. So if you haven't been there in a while and you just subscribe to this in your podcast uh, machine or whatever you uh, app that you use for podcast, go over, check out the website, uh, click on the links, read the full stories. There's a lot in this week's episode. Uh, once again, also, thanks to James Merritt uh, for joining us this week. Really appreciate that. Have a great long weekend. I know you've got some uh, events coming up this fall. Uh, you've got the uh, the Nine Marks at Southeastern coming up, as well as the Reaching the Nations event in October. Yes, uh, that's uh, we're going to have those coming right um, next to each other, and uh, that's that's going to be a great opportunity for us to host that here. We'll yep. have more details on that in the coming weeks. Yep, and then a lot of Reformation events at a lot of our seminaries. I know Southern's got a big one. Uh, you can find out more about that at their website. Uh, but, uh, you know, just so many things going on this fall at our Southern Baptist Seminaries event-wise. So if you're near one, check them out. And uh, if not, well, you know, head on over to one. I'll be at the uh, For the Church event at Midwestern uh, later in September as well. So 
A lot going on. we got executive committee in just a couple of weeks. Yes, time is really flying. I can't believe it's already here. That's going to do it for this week. Have a great Labor Day, and we'll see you next week. See you next week.